with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And I was praying this week and, we, and I felt like the Lord really blessed us with the uh, guardrail series. And I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that series. And um, again, you can get those CDs. You can offer, get them from the church if you want. They're online. Except for the first sermon. We're still trying to get that. Uh, we're trying to get that. So I apologize. But Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 10. I, I was, I've been reading through Hebrews in my life journal. And, and I've really been sensing in the last really couple, couple months, again, that the church is kind of shrinking back from society. The church is shrinking back, and we're, we're like, you know, we're just going to get by. We're, gonna just, we're just going to make it. And that's not God's plan for the church. Did you know that? God's plan for the church is for it to expand, to reach people, to touch people, to touch the homeless, to touch those who are addicted, to touch those who, who don't think they need God, but they really need God. And you see, I, I see a lot in, in, in the American church, and even in our church, we kind of shrink back, we hold back. Well, i got this stuff going on, these things are happening. And God is saying to us, you as a church, saying to me, it's not time to shrink back, it's time for us to be strong and to stand in God's presence. Amen? So, so Hebrews chapter 10, I want to read this to you. Hebrews chapter 10, some believers here were struggling. They were struggling with some of the things that they were dealing with. And Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, we'll read verse 19 uh, through 25, Hebrews 10, 19, it says this, and he was, Paul, or, or really the writer of Hebrews, I believe it was, the, it was Paul, no, it doesn't really say who it was, but I believe it was Paul speaking to the Hebrew believers, that's why it's called the book of Hebrews, he was saying to them in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through our curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Basically, Jesus opens the door for us to come into the presence. So he is a gateway, okay? And then once we accept him, we are then a gateway for his supernatural power to work in us. So it says here that we can boldly come before God because of Jesus. Amen? Verse 23, let us... Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. This is awesome. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day, the, the day approaching. God is saying to the saints, encourage people. Don't let them hide. Don't let them shrink away. But he says, hey, let's encourage. Hey, we've got a great work to do. God has called us to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? And he's saying, don't... Don't skip church all the time. I know you're tired. I know you're worried. Man, I'm going to be, I've been, I have been getting like three, four, maybe five hours of sleep for the last two weeks. I'm still here. Well, you get paid to do this. I would still be here if I want a pastor because I want to be with God and I want to be with you. And, and so what I'm saying is everyone's tired. Everyone's busy, but, but don't shrink back when it comes to worship. I understand you work. I understand you travel. I understand you're sick. I understand there's vacation time. I understand that. But you've got to say, man, I need to be with God. I need to be with His people. Amen? And so God is calling us, and He's telling these Hebrew believers, don't shrink back. Don't hide. Spur one another on. Don't neglect worshiping together. You have confidence. Then go to verse 32. Verse 32, you see, I was reminded of this also because of our, our brothers and sisters in Iran and other countries and in Nigeria and, and, and different parts of, of the world. It says this in verse 32, Remember those earlier days after you received the light? When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. 
you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better lasting had better and lasting possessions. So he was saying to them, hey, remember those times when you were persecuted? You remember those times you stood with the believers that were persecuted? Do you remember that when you, you allowed that things to be taken from you and it didn't even bother you because you knew that your kingdom and your treasures were in heaven? And you see, there's a problem in the church in America because we're too addicted to things. I mean, I like, I like knowing that. I start my car, it works, and I thank God for my air conditioner in my car. I love it that I can go to the refrigerator and there's food in there. I love it that I can come to this church without being shot at. I love it that we can open the doors and we don't have to have armed guards and people don't roll grenades in you. I love that. And we become soft sometimes. And we forget about when the tough time comes and we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. You need to buck up. You need that. That's a Western term. You've got you to gotta, you gotta cowboy up. You've got to buck up in God. And you've got to say, I, I trust God in my tough times. And so he's saying to them, he's saying, hey, remember all that? Remember you stood and then verse... Then it says in verse 35, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Richly rewarded. So your faith in God will be rewarded. Isn't that awesome? So don't give up. Don't shrink back. Are you doing good? Okay, and then it says this. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For just in a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. You see, God doesn't want us to shrink back. Here's the key verse. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Say that. We are those who believe and are saved. Father, I open up my life to you right now. And Lord, I open, I open my heart Lord, I, open, I ask that we open up our hearts and our minds to you today because you don't want us to shrink back. This is not time for us to, to hide. This is not time for us to run. This is not time for us to, to be fearful. This is time for us to have faith and to go forward because our world is in need of a church that has the presence of God. So Lord, would you speak to us today and would you flow and would you empower everyone today with your presence that we would be the supernatural gateway to a dying and hurting world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So life is hard at times. Life is good at times. Amen? And what happens is, and you know I talk about this often, life can be so consuming that sometimes all you, all you can do is put your head down and just go forward, try to go forward and try to make it. I understand that. But that's not a God-given vision for the rest of your life. Amen? There are times when you put your head down and there's times when you cry out. There are times when you need to be healed and you need to sit in the presence of God. But oftentimes, I'm telling you, this is God has really put this on my heart. The enemy is getting away with too much stuff. And I'm going to tell you, in my, in my own personal life, I've just kind of gotten lazy in my spiritual warfare prayer. And I began to start praying. And, and also I began to pray and things began to open up and blessings began to come back because I began to say, Satan, I bind you. I command you to stop attacking, stop stealing from me, stop robbing from this church, robbing from you. I pray that over you often. But I kind of got a little lazy because I just got busy. I got sucked up into life. And so God is saying, man, would you just start binding the enemy in my power and authority? The church is not to shrink back. I don't encourage you not to shrink back from the enemy because you don't have to fear him. Amen? And so, so sometimes it's like, if you remember David and Goliath, the, the account there where the children of Israel, the armies of God would march up in front of the Philistines every morning. And the Philistine army and Goliath, and you know, Goliath was over nine feet tall. And he stood and he shouted out. And he said, I, I challenge you. And every time he did that, the, the armies of Israel would run. 
This, these were the armies that God used. They would run in fear. And a lot of times the enemy or the world systems, like they get up there and they shout at us and we run in fear. Oh, we can't talk about Jesus. Oh, we can't, we can't pray. Oh, we can't stand up for marriage. Oh, we can't do that. Why can't we? We're the church. We are the gateway of God to a world that needs Jesus. Amen? And so the devil roars and we run. He, the world tells us, you can't talk about that. And we're like, oh, okay, no. We need to say, say hey, God is with us. We are the church. We will be around a lot longer than this government or any other government of this world. Amen? And you see, so often we get so consumed with life and we put our heads down. And God was speaking to the believers in Hebrews saying, don't put your heads down, don't hide, don't shrink. It's time for you to stand. It's time for you to go forward. And I believe that message is for you in your life, in your career, with your family, with whatever God's called you to do, this church, this community, this nation, this world. We are not to shrink back anymore. We're not to hide. We're to go forward. We have the message that will change the world. Amen? Amen? So let's talk about, let me just talk about some excuses that I use. Let me talk about some excuses that you use, that we use to hide from God. So write this down. Here we go. Here we are. We're not the ones that shrink back. Number one, excuses we hide behind. Are you ready for this? Letter A, Adam and Eve hid in the garden. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden just as you and I are sitting and talking. He walked with them. And so what happens, I'm going to read this to you, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. It says, Then... The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the, in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from, him, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? You see... They were walking in direct fellowship, in direct communion with God. And of course, the enemy comes along. You see, this is what the enemy likes to do. He knows that if you and I can have that gateway of our connection of God broken, then we become not effective. We hide. And when we sin, sin breaks our fellowship. When we disobey God, it breaks our fellowship. So he does all that he can for you to take that forbidden fruit. He does all that he can to break your fellowship with God because he knows when you have the presence of God, you're going to change lives. But if He can keep you messing around with things that you shouldn't mess around with, or He can keep you in guilt, you're going to hide from God. So during the worship services, you're going to be afraid when Pastor Stan starts singing out in tongues. You're going to be afraid when Pastor says, I'm seeing visions, like, oh my goodness, what kind of church is that? God still speaks to us through tongues, through interpretations, through word of knowledge, through dreams, through visions. God is a supernatural God. And you saw what happens is when the presence of God and we begin to take time worship, we're like, come on, come on. That's because your fellowship with God has been broken. And you're hiding from Him. And if you were with God, you wouldn't care about time. You would just say, wow. And so you see, the devil does all that he can to break that fellowship. And the devil knew that if he tempted Adam and Eve to disobey, that he would break their fellowship. And you see, our fellowship is broken in the same way. We, we disobey. We do something. And the devil knows that because he knows that when we fellowship with God, listen to this, when he, he knows that when you and I fellowship with God, he can't control us. But if he can get in the way, then he can begin to control us. He knows that if we fellowship with God, we become God's agents of change. He knows that when we are connected with God, we will want more of God. 
we will want more of His ways. Isn't that awesome? And then, check this out, when we are with God and we know God and we know His presence, we know His purpose, we will begin then to actively look for ways to destroy the work of the enemy. You see, from the beginning, He knew that and He began to say, He put out these forbidden fruits or He tempted us with the fruits that we weren't to eat. He does the same thing in your life. You, you fall for the same thing over and over or, or these new temptations. And He does that because as long as He can keep you chasing after these things, you're not going to chase after Him. And so we hide from God's presence. And I'm asking you, if you have sinned, if you have this thing you're struggling with, say, God, help me. Because here it is, and I, I read this to you last week, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, because this is God's purpose for you. Listen to this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to who does it say we belong to? God. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Isn't that awesome? Oh, come on. You should be shouting. You're, you're, you're not going to burn. You're not going to go to hell. Do you see what I'm saying? You now have God's presence in your life. You are His agent. And then it says, but you are the people of God. Once you were not... You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, again, we are a gateway, a gateway for the supernatural so God can use us to touch your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. He wants to work through you. Well, I can't. Pastor, I've done this. And that's what the devil does. He wants you hiding in the garden so that you will not be effective. The next one. The next one is Saul. King Saul, when he was going to be king, God had changed him and God anointed him and he was hiding in the baggage. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. I read this many times, but it clicked when I was reading a book this and about Gideon. But it, let me just read this. 1 Samuel 10.1 says this, Samuel, then Samuel took a flask of oil and put it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? So Saul was then called to be the king. You see, the children of Israel wanted a king. And so God said, okay, fine, you'll have a king. I've chosen a man. He's here. So Saul sees him. Saul anoints him with oil. He's he's a young, humble man. It says God changed his heart. Then check this out. At, At the time that he was to be pulled out of the tribes of Israel and then he was to be recognized and to be crowned, check this out. 1 Samuel 10, 20 through 24 says, When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near... The tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forth the, the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has, has the man not come yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and brought him out, and he stood among the people to be as he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said in verse 40, 24, Samuel said, to all the people, do, do you not see the man the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king. So what happened was, Saul was afraid of the call of God. And so he hid in the baggage. I mean, can you, this is the king of Israel. He is to be the king of, of the children of Israel. He's hiding in the baggage because God has a call in his life. He's hiding. And so, so Samuel calls the tribes up clan by clan. He calls out the clan of Benjamin, the Matri's clan, and they say, all right, Saul, 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 where's Saul? And they ask the Lord, where's Saul? And they say, God tells them, Saul's hiding in the baggage. Go get him. They call him, they anoint him, they call him. Now, Saul was a good king for a while until his heart turned. But listen to this. He had a special anointing from God to lead Israel, and he hid from it. You have a special anointing from God to lead people into His presence. 
But sometimes in the church, we hide from this anointing in the baggage of life. This baggage of life can be the, can be the worries, the troubles. It can be the stuff. In fact, Luke 8.14, it talks about the gospel seed. It says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, so they do not mature. You see, some of you, your calling is hidden in the baggage of life. You're being choked out by the worries of this world. The other baggage is, is the pain and the hard times that you've had. And you're, you're carrying the baggage around. And, you, and you're carrying the baggage like, God, that happened to me. You surely can't use me because of this. And you're hiding in it. And God's saying, God says, He says, I want to free you of your past. Matthew 11, check this out, 28 to 30. Come to me, all of you who are here, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't have to hide from God. Amen? Don't let the worries of this world choke God out. Don't let the past hurts and pains from your life choke out God. God says, I want to free you of that. You see, many of you come in on Sunday mornings and you're carrying these trunks, these bags. And when I say lift your hands and worship, you can't because you've got these bags, you've got these trunks of baggage of pain. Or your, your faith is being choked out and you're barely hearing the Word of God. You're barely sensing the presence of God in worship because you're worried about bills, you're worried about job, you're worried about elections, you're worried about this and that and this and that. And you can barely hear the voice of God. And God is saying, man, I've called you to better things. Yes, you've got to take care of your bills. Yes, you should pray for the elections. Yes, you should work. Yes, you should live. But let me take care of you. And you see, we hide in the baggage. We hide from our call. The next one is Gideon. This, I have a few more scriptures. Gideon hid in the wine press. Gideon, Judges chapter 6, 11 through 16. Gideon hidden. I mean, check this out. The angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Some of you might say Oprah. So I kind of I mess up Oprah's name on purpose. Ophrah. That belonged to Joash the Abizarite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. Check this out, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why, why, excuse me, where, where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of, the, of Midian. The Lord turned to him, and said, and, and said, Gideon, it said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. So you've got to check this out. Now, none of us, how many of you have, have threshed wheat lately? Anybody threshed wheat? You see, when we want wheat, you go to the grocery store, don't you? And it already comes in the form of baked bread, right? Cookies, donuts, whole grain breads, rolls, naan, you know, tortillas. That's corn sometimes, but it's also wheat. And so, so we don't have to thresh wheat. The farmers do that for us. And so what they did was, is if wheat is, is, a, is a seed and it has a, has, it has a husk around it. And so what, what, the, what the farmers would do, they would take these grains and they would they would hit them on the ground and they would throw them up in the air and they would try to thresh the wheat. And so what they were hoping for a draft, a wind to blow, and it would blow away the, the husk and they would get the seed. 
And so check this out. Because these, the Amalekites and the Medites, they were coming and taking everything from the children of Israel. Here, Gideon is in a wine press. Now in a wine press, remember some of you have seen the movies where they put the, they put the grapes in, in there and they're like stepping down with their feet. You know? Or they had a press where it was actually a press and it pressed the oil that, or, or pushed the oil. They got olive oil and they also got wine out of that. And so here Midian is hide, or Gideon is hiding in a wine press. Check this out. He's hiding. There's no draft in the wine press. He's hiding and he's, he's doing this. He's smacking the wheat on the ground and he's throwing it up. He's hiding. And an angel of the Lord sits on an oak tree and says, Hey, you, mighty warrior. I'm sure Gideon was like, You're talking about someone else, aren't you? I'm the least of my family. And he says, now, hey, man, God has got a great plan for you. Go on. And then, of course, he's like, well, where is God? Well, look at all the trouble. And, and you know, you and I say the same thing. Where is God? Look at all the trouble we have in our world. And we start blaming it back on God. And you see, you and I sometimes, we are like this Gideon. Because check this out. Let me, let me just throw this at you. Gideon was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. Listen to this. Gideon was trying to get bread of his word out of a place where wine is made. He was looking in the wrong source. So wheat, listen, wheat represents the Word of God, okay? Wheat represents the Word of God, and wine typically represents the Spirit of God. And so Gideon is trying to get wheat out of a wine press. And you see, he was laboring when he shouldn't have been laboring. He was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He was doing the opposite. And you see, I know some of you are like, I don't get this, Pastor. You see, the church sometimes hides in the wine press trying to get the word. Or we want the wine when we're in the word. In other words, we look at the word of God and we say, fill me, spirit. Or we're in a worship service and the spirit is, is power and we want the word. And you see, God wants us to know the word. I know some of you are like, still looking at me like, what pastor are you on? The church is hiding in the wine press. Specifically, the Pentecostal and charismatic church were hiding in the wine press. Oh, God, speak to me. Oh, God, I need a word. I need encouragement. Oh, I need a dream. I need a vision. And we're hiding while the world is in trouble. And you see, God wants you to worship. I love, we had a powerful worship time. And the wine of God was being poured out. The presence of God was being poured out. Then the opposite is true is, is, all, is then we're, we're looking, we're studying the Word of God and we're studying we're saying, I just want, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And you can do that, but the preaching is the Word of God. The Bible study is the Word of God, but the, the worship time, that's the wine of God. And you see, I had, at my last church, I had a board member and he, he was mixed up. I mean, he was a good guy, but he was mixed up. He hated worship. And he would sit in the back during worship and he would sit here like this. And then when the Word would come, he's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. But he missed out. Because he didn't get in the wine of the Spirit to be open to the Word. In fact, he told me, he said, we should just get rid of worship, we should just get in the Word. I said, no, worship is a gateway to God. And it helps us to get from the Word. And you see, the problem is a lot of times, you and I, we circumvent God by saying, well, I'm not going to worship, I'm just going to get in the Word. Or, I'm just going to worship and I'm going to just tune Pastor Stan out. You see, the church is hiding in the wine press. We, we, we're confused. We're trying to get wheat out of wine. We're trying to get wine out of wheat. You need both. 
You see what I'm saying? And the second part of hiding in the wine press is the church is hiding in our spiritual experiences. We're hiding while the world is dying. I love great worship. I love it when the power of God is present. But it's not just for us. It's for the lost. You see, God is saying, He says, you are a great deliverer. Well, where is the God of the past? Well, you see, before Pastor Stan got here, we used to have these powerful services. Back in the 40s, back in the 30s, back in the day. And, and that was awesome. But did you know this is 2012? And we need new wine for today. And we can't be sitting in the wine press licking the rocks. Oh, that was good back in 1930. Oh, God is saying, I want to pour out new wine. And the church is hiding. Oh, if we would just go back to the old ways. We can't go back to the old ways. We need new stuff from God. The Bible says in, 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 in the Gospels, it says you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. It'll burst and you waste it. And you see, the church is stuck in the old wine press. We're saying, oh God, deliver us, deliver us. And God's saying, I will deliver you once you get out and deliver them. You can't hide in the wine press forever. Let me move on. Let me talk about Jonah. Jonah was also running. He was hiding by running. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. I, I think I have it. Do I have it? Yes. Check this out. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for, the port, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now you know the rest of the story. God began to send a storm. God prepared a great fish. The, the, even the, the pagans knew that he was running from God. He was running from the call of God. And so you know the story. He's, he's in the fish. He's, he's yelling. And he's screaming for help. He's praying out. The fish throws him up on, on the shore. Then he runs to Nineveh and he preaches to Nineveh. The whole city repents. He's angry because they repented. He starts having a pity party. He's whining. God provides a vine over him, starts feeding him food, and he's sitting there for a couple days and he's whining and feeling sorry for himself. And then God sends a worm and eats the vine. And then he's like, I might as well die. And God says, Are you angry because you didn't make the vine? And should I not be concerned about every person that's in that city that's repented? And here's what I want to say about us is we run from God. We hide by running. And we do the same thing when He calls you to reach your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, this community, this nation, this world. And we run and we hide by using our jobs, travel, hobbies, homes, kids, schooling. We make that all excuse and we're running away from our royal priesthood call. Well, pastor, are you going to pay my bills? No, God will pay your bills. You're saying I shouldn't study? No, I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying you should use all that as a mission field. Not as your mission in life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever you're called to do, is that's where your mission field. If you're a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a cook, you fold clothes, whatever you do, that's your mission field. That's not your call in life. That's your mission field. You're called as a doctor to reach those people. You're called as a lawyer. You're called as a teacher. You're called as a student. Wherever you're at. And the problem is the church, we're chasing after bigger and better. Oh, if I just had a better job, I had this. And we use that as an excuse. God, I'm so busy, I don't have time. And we're running. And God is saying, your workplace needs me. They've come up before me and I want to send you. And you're like, well, I don't, I'm busy, God. 
And we have a pity party. And then when we do hear from God and we are used from God, we get angry because now we have to share our vine with the new people. Now they took my parking spot. They're sitting in my pew. Pastor Stan spends a lot more time with them than he does me. What is going on with this church? And we're like Jonah. And we, our eyes have got to open up. Wow, our parking lot. Man, I'll, I'll walk if I need to. Should be your mentality. Amen? I'll gladly give up my seat so someone else can be here. Do you see what I'm saying? And you see we hide by running. And so what are we running from? Number two, I'm going to make this quick. What are we running from? Letter A, we're running from God. You see, every one of you have a call from God to reach your world. Where you work, where you go to school, where you live, your family, your neighborhood. Whether you like your neighbors or not. Whether you like their political background or not. Whether you like their race or not. God has called you to reach them. Amen? And so many of us run from God because we're afraid He's going to change us and we're going to have to become a pastor. Oh my goodness. I'll have to wear a funny tie. I'll have to wear a funny microphone on my face. Maybe I'll have to deal, work with youth or kids. Oh, I hate youth or kids. Oh, ooh, maybe God will call me to be a missionary to a foreign land. Oh, Lord, don't send me to a foreign land. Oh, it's so good here. Chipotle, Starbucks coffee, oh, movie theater. You know what? It doesn't matter where God calls you. He'll always take care of you. And so we're afraid of, we're, oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. We're afraid of giving control to God. Well, then I'll have to stop things. I'll have to drop things. You know what? Maybe that's better for you. Maybe not. I don't know. But you see, we're afraid of that. You see, it's pretty cool because I meet people all the time, all over, and they, oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But when they all love Jesus until Jesus tells them to change. Isn't that funny? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Hey, what do you think about that? No, I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, really, that's in the Bible. <laughs> you see, everyone loves Jesus until Jesus tells them to change. They don't like that Jesus. They like the Santa Claus Jesus. They want the Jesus that's paying and taking care of all their needs. You see, when Jesus is, is not Santa Claus and He tells us to change, we run from Him. You, you want me to reach Republicans? Ooh. Ooh, you want me to talk to a Democrat? Nasty. Ooh. You want me to love black people? Ooh, you want me to like white folk? Oh, ooh, Asians? No. Latinos? No. Yeah, God says I love them all. You're called to reach all of them. It doesn't matter who they are. You're to reach them. You're not to use excuses. You're, you're not to run from God because God wants to do this. You see, we're, we're good when God's Santa Claus. And you see, we cry when we don't get our way. Oh, I don't get my way. No Starbucks. No whatever. You see, our way should be, God, what are you calling me to do? Who can I reach? I will go to that city in Nineveh. I will go to my pagan friends and co-workers and I will be a light to them. You see, we are royal priesthood declaring His love in a dark world. Remember, we're a gateway. God has so much more for us. The second person we run from is Satan. And I'm telling you, church, you should never run from Satan. Say, we should never run from Satan. See, less of you said that. I don't give the devil glory, but I'm not afraid of him. Because Jesus has redeemed me from him. He's not my boss anymore. He's not in control of my life. I've been redeemed. I've been set free from his control. 
And you see, we run from Him. Many believe and they live in fear. Or some people just deny He exists. I don't believe He exists. I don't believe He exists. If I don't believe, you know, I don't see Him. But yet He's destroying our world. He's, he's ca- causing havoc in your family, your marriage. He's keeping you addicted. He's causing, he's causing pain and hate in our, in our world. And we're ignoring Him or we're running in fear of Him. And sometimes, as I mentioned about, we, we think of Him or we see Him as a Goliath. And we see ourselves as puny little Israel. When He stands up and roars, Rah! we're like, oh, I'm going to run. And God says, you should never shrink back from the enemy. Because I gained victory or Jesus gained victory over Him. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Look, look, look at verse 9. Does it say run? What does it say? Come on, say it out. Someone say that. It doesn't say run. It says resist him. Thank you. Resist him standing firm. Standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are under, undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I'm the only one going through this. Why, God? He's like, everyone's going through what you're going through. Someone somewhere in the world is going through what you're going through. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Stand firm in the faith. Resist Him. Amen? And then it says, check this out. Then Jesus said in verse, uh, Luke 10, verse 18 to 20, He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Check this out. This is what He does for believers. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Does it say some of the power? A third of the power? 0.5? It says all the power of the enemy. You should not run in fear of the enemy. You have been redeemed by God. The supernatural power of God dwells within you and you can take authority. Oftentimes you'll hear me pray in the name of Jesus. I bind the work of the enemy. I take authority. I get that from Matthew 18. It says that we're to bind and loose. And so I bind the enemy. Okay, you'll hear me say, I plead the blood of Jesus. That comes from uh, Revelation where it says that they overcame the, the, the accuser of their brother by the blood of the Lamb. So I say, I plead the blood of Jesus. You see, that's, that's where we get that kind of stuff. So you should not fear the enemy. Amen? We've been given power and authority to directly oppose the devil. Now, the third one is, let us see, is the world. The world, we either hide from it because we, we don't want to be stained by sinners. We don't want to be like them. We don't want to be around them because they stink and they have, they have these nasty habits. Like Jonah running from, from the people of, of Nineveh, or we run like the armies of Israel because they say, You can't stand for biblical marriage. Oh, I, I, uh, okay, I, Christians can't stand up and work. Oh, okay. Where does it say that? You can stand up for traditional biblical marriage. By the way, the referendum in Maryland will be on the elections. You need to pray for that. Amen? You need to pray that God passes, that God opens the eyes of people and sees beyond the lies. And that's just a side note. But you see the world, either we run from it, because like, ooh, I don't want to be around those nasty sinners. That's what, Nineveh, that's what Jonah, he ran from them. I don't want to be around those pagans, those heathens. They stink. They reek. Their lifestyles are gross. And God's saying, I died for them. Or we run from the world because they tell us you can't do it. Oh, I guess we can't. Or maybe we want the wicked to get their due. Jonah was upset because God had mercy on them. And some of us say, man, I, I, I hope they burn. That should never, never, never be your attitude. The Bible forbids you wishing evil on people. Did you know that? 
You should never wish evil. Well, I hope President Bush gets it. I hope President Obama gets it. I pray that they get right with God. Well, they are right with God. Well, um, we can talk about that later. I pray that our politicians get God. And yes, they're going to they're stand before God, just like you and I are going to stand before God, for what we did and did not do. So before you judge them, pray for them. Because the same way you measure someone, it's going to be measured back to you. Amen? So be careful. I know we have this hate going out amongst people, amongst black people, amongst Asian people, against uh, Latinos, against whites, against the president, against the Republican Democrats. You better just be careful of all that. And say, God loves all those people because I'm one of those. And you see, listen to this, and I've told you this many times, but the church was quiet when communism took over Russia. The church was quiet when Hitler came to power. The church was quiet when they removed prayer from school in this nation. The church was quiet when abortion was legalized. And the church has been almost quiet when they're beginning to tell us marriage can be about from, for anybody. And we cannot remain silent. We cannot. We have to come back and say, you know what? Abortion is wrong. Same-sex marriage is not biblical. It's not natural. It's not from God. And this is not only our opinion. This is God's opinion. We're, we're not here to judge you. We're here to just stand up for truth. Do you see what I'm saying? We cannot hide anymore because we are the agents of light we are the ones that are to confront darkness with love truth and power you don't have to beat people up but you can pray for them you can fast for them remember the letter d the fourth thing is your potential many of us in the church we know we have gifts we have talents and we have a, a possible ministry that god in fact we all have ministries but yet we think hiding from god god will pick someone else do you remember that in school? The teacher's like, who has an answer? And you're like, and what did they do a lot of times? You. Stan. Yeah. What's the answer? Um, it's um, the answer, you know. And a lot of times we sit in the church Sunday, God's calling us to help, and you're, you're like, Shelly can do that. Pastor Dave can do that. Hey, I volunteer Robert. He can do that. And God is saying, no, you do that. And you see, you're hiding, you're running from God, thinking He'll call someone else. Or, or you think like Gideon, well, I'm nobody, I, I, I'm not educated, or I'm not that smart, or I'm this or that. And you see, let me say this to you, every one of us are responsible for the potential God has put into us. It's not my job to do your job. Amen? It's not your job to do my job. And you and I are going to stand before God with what we did. And each of us are responsible. In fact, listen, I, I read a book, and it, this is a statement, I love this. It says, all of heaven has been assigned to make sure we have everything we need to reach our God-designed destinies. All of heaven has been assigned to make sure we have everything we need to reach our God-designed destinies. In other words, God gives us everything that we need, and then it's up to you and I to use it. It's up to you and I to put it into action. You see, faith without works is what? Dead. That means... God's giving you everything you need, but you have to put it to work. You're not a robot. You're not like a zombie that goes around and, you know, or you're not like, okay, God, who do I reach today? You send me, Lord, I will tell them the gospel. No. You've got a brain. You've got a cerebral cortex. You can actually, hopefully some of you can walk and run. Some of you, I have a trouble chewing gum and walking sometimes. But you see, every one of you have gifts and talents, and God's not going to treat you like a little robot. I will go over here. And no, He gives you a brain to use. He gives you abilities. He gives you skills and gifts and talents, and you're to use them. Amen? 
The word of the Lord is spoken and we must act. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not a manner of talk, but of power. The church talks a lot, but where's the power of God? We talk a good game, but where's the power of God? Remember, we are the portals. We are the gateway of God's presence into our families' lives, into our co-workers, our neighbors. The gifts are free, but maturity is ex- expensive and it comes through use. We must steward. Now listen to this, and I know some of us don't like hearing these teachings from Jesus. In fact, I don't know the last time I've heard this. Luke 12, verses 47 through 40. This is Jesus speaking. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. Jesus said that? That's not the hippie Jesus that you're talking about. I'd worship. No, that's the Jesus of the universe, the God of all. He says, he says, he's talking about parables. He's talking about gifts. He's talking about stewardship. Verse 24, I'm sorry. Verse 48. But the one who, do, who does not know and does things deserving punishment will, will be beaten with few blows. Something. Oh, see, if I can just do a little less, I'll be punished less. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. In other words, God is not going to give you a free pass at the end of your life. Well, I didn't know. He, no, you did know. And I gave you these gifts. I gave you these talents. I put you in, in the place to touch these people. Well, I didn't know. These are the words of Jesus. Number three, why we can't hide. I'm going to get done here in a minute. Why we can't hide. Hebrews 10, here we go. 23-25, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the, day, uh, in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Letter A, God has a plan. That's why we can't hide. God has a plan. We've been given the task to be the change agents, to be the portal, to be the gateway to the world. Amen? Amen? You are a gateway for the world to come to know Jesus. You're a royal priesthood. You see, priests in the Old Testament, they were go-between God and man. And God says in 1 Peter, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to me. So in other words, God puts you as a missionary in your workplace, your school, and you are the agent of supernatural change to that place. You have the gospel. You have the good news of God. And you're supposed to go there. Mark 16. Check this out. Verse 15. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to what? Only Democrats. Only Republicans. Only Africans. Only No, it says to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. See? They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and then they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Why is that in the Bible? Because we have power. And God wants you to lay hands on people. God wants you to pray for your co-worker. God wants you to pray for that, that co-worker you know that they're addicted and they can't get free. God wants you to pray for them because the power of God can change their lives. Amen? God wants you to pray for the nation that you live in or the nation you're from. Why can't we hide? Number one, letter A, God has a plan. Then letter B, Satan has a plan. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give life that you may have life and have it to the full. We cannot remain silent or hide because the devil wants to destroy all of mankind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are there wars in, in all these countries? Why is there infighting in this nation? Because the devil is at work trying to make us hate each other. And until the church stands up and says, oh, this is the devil's work. 
We need to stop this. We have the power. We must stand against abortion. We must stand against human trafficking. We must stand against same-sex marriage. We must stand for God. We must stand against poverty. We must stand against political injustice. We must stand against the work of the enemy. We have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ. I've read this to you before. Speaking of Germany and the Christians of Germany hiding from Nazis, Pastor Martin Neimuller said this. He wrote this poem out. And I have it. Do I have it? It says, First, they came for the Jews and I did not speak because I was not a Jew. Then they came for the communists and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for me and there's no one left to speak for me. You are a spokesperson for God. And if you remain silent, we're going to allow the devil to have his way. And one day he might get us if we don't stand up against him. Remember the Bible says to stand firm. Resist the devil. Amen? Let her see that here's the reason we must not hide is the world needs you. The world needs you. Hebrews 10, 35-39 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. It will be. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For just a, a very little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But you are not of those who shrink back and destroy, but those who believe and are saved. We can't shrink back because we have the message of life. Amen? We cannot hide amongst the baggage of life. We cannot hide in the wine press or the church anymore. We cannot hide in, in the past mistakes. We cannot hide by running away from God's will. Now is the time for the church to stand up. Now is the time for us to expand. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to spend a few minutes. Just give God time in the, in the altar time. I want us to give Him a few minutes. I know we've got a picnic and some of you are going to rush off, but would you just give God a few moments right now? Because, because, see, some of us, we're hiding, we're running, we're fearful. And God wants us free. God wants us free. Would you just close your eyes right now? Father God, we, just, we come before you right now. And I'm, I, I believe I'm going to have an altar time. I want your spirit to reign in us right now because you want the church to rise up, not shrink back. And I'm not here to judge anyone, God. I'm not here to, to, to lay blame. But Lord, there are some of us in this room, we are shrink, we've shrunk back. We're hiding, God. We're hiding in the busyness of life. We're hiding in the baggage. We're hiding in the garden. We're, we're hiding in the wine press. We're, hi, we're hiding by running away from our call, by being busy in life. And you're telling us, it's not time to hide. It's time for us to stand up. Well, that'll be Pastor Dave's job. That's Pastor Stan's. No, we all work together. The church is all the people. And so, Lord, help us to be free. Father, we don't need excuses anymore. We need to get busy because time is short. Our world needs Jesus, just like Jonah was sent to Nineveh, a wicked city, we are called in a wicked area. 